to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. As they go out, and before I got to get into today, I wanted to make sure um, Jeff has given me a tough task today to talk about discipleship in one sermon. So y'all may have to reap the consequences of that. Um, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk quick, uh, but at the same time too, I want you to know as a church, um, we, me and Tommy and, and Jeff uh, and Paxton, and we sit a lot with each other figuring out what we need to do in different areas. Um, and each of us take different responsibilities. And an area that just kind of burns on me is in the area of discipleship. Um, if you haven't noticed since January, these waters hadn't stopped. Um, and I, that's not a... That's not a clapping golf moment. I know that's a celebration, um, but at the same time, too, that comes with a responsibility as a church. Um, and so we realize that, and so we've spent a lot of time sitting, thinking what's the best process to be able to affect the most people at the time that we need to affect. And so um, one of the things that's coming, many of you may have seen it through the app, a class called the Essential Steps class. Um, and we, it is just a basic discipleship class. Uh, there's four different topics we're gonna discuss, salvation, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and the church. Those are four things as believers, even as new believers, that you need to know about. You need to be established in, and you need to have a growing uh, desire to continue to grow in each of those four things. Um, that class will take place September 11th through October 2nd, and that's for new believers. Maybe you've been in the church for a long time and you haven't grown as a Christian, and you don't know, the Bible's intimidating. It may be something that's hard and difficult, and you've been coming every Sunday morning, but you need more of a sit down. You need to be able to ask some questions. You need something that's a little bit more personal. I wanna invite you to the Essential Step class. It's not just for new believers. It may be believers that just haven't grown. Uh, maybe you're just stagnant in an area, don't know how to read your Bible, different things like that. There are different opportunities for different people in that class. And so um, that's gonna, it's gonna be 9 a.m. in the ARC, September 11th is when we're gonna start that. Um, and out of that also, there's gonna be a sign-up sheet to where we're meeting afterwards with the people in our church um, today that, that are gonna be hopefully disciplers, people that wanna be one-on-one -on -one with you, help you grow and mentor and somebody you can call and ask a question to, uh, whether it be in life, whether it be in, in a biblical way. Um, we just know that that's important to the future of our church. God continues to entrust new believers to us and the more we stir those waters, the more responsibility comes to us as a staff and to you as a body of believers, amen? Um, and so that's just something that's coming. If you're interested in that, wanna come to that, you can, you can sign up really easily through the app um, and be able to be a part of that, and that begins in September. Um, and so we'd love to have you, um, and you can come at the 9 a.m. If you come to the 9 a.m. Um, and you're like, that's gonna interrupt my church time, maybe you can come to the 10.30 service if you need to just during that month. And so we're just trying to make that work and fit within everybody's lines and schedules. And so... Anyways, just wanted to kind of give you that. I'm set with Jeff a lot, and so thankful for the opportunity just to be here this morning with you to be able to talk in the area of just discipleship um, in general um, and where we're headed just as a church. 
uh, want to kind of just give you um, some doctrine and just some, some direction in this area, um, but at the same time, too, I hope that you are also convicted, but you are also realize where you're personally at because it's God's responsibility to speak to you. It's not my responsibility as a preacher. Uh, I, I've sat with him this week and tried to listen and make sure that I hear, but I, I want to make sure that you tune into what God's saying to you um, because his voice is the best voice. Um, and so I, I hope that God continues to speak this morning to each of you. Thankful for our worship team. Uh, man, just isn't it sweet to come and worship together as a church? And so thankful for Pax and, and Carrie and all that they do uh, and all the volunteers in this team. It just continues to, I've been here a little over a year and it just blows my mind that I get to be in here this week with this church, with these people at this time. Um, and so just thankful for the church at Bushland um, to be with you. And so feel like it's a privilege to be here today. Um, wanna, if you got your Bible with you, turn to Ephesians chapter two. I told Jeff, I'm gonna spit it and quit it. So you better be ready. All right, if you're a note taker, you're gonna have to go back online, I bet. Um, and so uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna move quickly um, because I want, you to, I want you to be able to get everything that I feel like God wants to deliver this morning. Um, I, I had the fortunate opportunity last week to be able to do a, a camp called the Rise Camp. And uh, one of the nights that I talked um, I talked um, about just justification and sanctification, um, and I loved the title that I gave within that, and I kind of, it went into some of the things I'm going to talk to you today, but I also um, am going to extend that and talk about more things into that just based upon y'all and the crowd today and the things that need to be delivered, I think, more to this crowd. And so um, if you want a sermon title today, I would call it The Crossover. Um, and so how many of you remember when Allen Iverson crossed over Michael Jordan? Come on. Uh, come on. So I know I got some basketball fans out here. I remember I was eating my cereal on, on that before school. I was watching ESPN back when ESPN was ESPN, and it's not what it is today. I'm not going to go into anything, um, but uh, it ain't ESPN anymore. But I was watching, and I literally dropped my spoon in my bowl because I was like, he just crossed over Michael Jordan. And so it was one of those incredible moments I remember watching, and he's remembered forever for it. And I want to I, I establish that something like that, the crossover and what God wants in your life, that it's a monumental thing for each of you as believers. And as I discuss this and as I break this apart, um, I want you to think about that. I want you to have that in your mind, that it's a monumental thing that will be established in you and hopefully there's no going back. Um, and that's what we want in every believer and I believe that's what God wants um, in each of us as believers. How many of you, when you see made in the USA, you're like, yeah. You like it, right? So some of you, I don't know that anybody in the room today that picks up something that's made in China is like, hmm, feels good, man. I'm buying something from China. You know what I mean? So you, you, I don't know that anybody, nothing wrong. I'm not hating on China. God loves the whole world. But there is just something about being in the United States, being an American, when you see something that's made in your country, right? I, feel, I know other people have similar feelings from different countries. I'm not hating on that. But when we see made in the USA, it's like, yeah, you're right. So I'll pay extra for it, right? And so we just like that label um, in that. And I give you that picture is because made in the USA, I want, I want you to see in Ephesians 2, 1 through 9 is where we're gonna be today. But I want you to see something in Ephesians. When you look at this, the whole book of Ephesians is Christ exalted above all things. If we had to sum it up and we had to, we had to bring it into one thing, Christ is exalted above all things. God put in, had, he put everything under his feet, right? Ephesians 1.22, Christ is the center of the circle of which the church 
is on the outer limits. So the church is secondary to who? Jesus, right? He's the center of everything. And Ephesians is one of those things that's an incredible, incredible book. And I gave you that picture of made in the USA. But if you know anything about Ephesians and what and, and some of the rest of these New Testament um, epistles that came forth, there were four men that went to Rome to get from Paul these four epistles. They went to Rome. Do you think Rome, if they knew what those four guys were carrying, they would have let those things leave? Isn't that just like God, though? To make an insignificant prisoner, he writes something that's gonna change the whole world and four regular men walk out with it and it changes the whole world and we're talking about it today. It's just like God. That's what he does. And those four men come out with that. The four epistles that they come out with is the epistle to the uh, to, to uh, Philippians, the epistle to the Ephesians, and the epistle to the Colossians, and then uh, the epistle to Philemon. That's what came out of Paul during those times. Um, and so do you think whatever he was writing about, we needed to hear today? We do. And if I had to sum all of that up, and I had to look at the tag like made in USA, if I had to sum all of Ephesians up, I would say this, it's made for the church. Ephesians is made for the church. It's made for the believer. It's meant to encourage you. It's meant to clarify things as you walk out your faith in Christ Jesus. Um, and Christ is at the center of this little chapter right here. And it's one of my favorite chapters. And so if you're in Ephesians chapter two, we're gonna start in verse one. If you lose your mind in the middle of it and start cheering as I read this, you're more than welcome to do that here, okay? Because this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. I absolutely love this passage of Scripture. Uh, I think it is such a call to us as believers of what we've been given. Um, and so it's just a good passage of Scripture. And so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed in the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. Okay, this is the part where you can start. We can, you can get some Medea going on, all right? And so do what you, this is a good verse right here, all right? Verse four, but because of his great love for us, God in his rich mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us, once again, in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from ourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, church. No one can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's go home right? Let's just go home. That's, that is such a good passage of scripture. I feel like that is like a pepper alley scripture for us as believers of what you've been given in Christ Jesus. And then here's the part that you need to understand. It has nothing to do with your works. And boy, do we want it to? Boy, we really want our works to matter, don't we? 
Come on, Jesus, just let it matter, right? Just let it be what's a portion of what it saves me. It doesn't matter. It's the blood. It's pure without you. It's pure without you. It doesn't need your works. It doesn't need the things that you think that you can do to make yourself look good. It doesn't need all those things. Salvation is free, and it came at a cost of Jesus himself. He paid a debt you couldn't pay, okay? And when we look at those verses and you see the two that I want to focus on and the two that I think are super important for us to see is verse 8. For it is grace, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast, for God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Philippians 1, 6 says this, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I could just read scripture after scripture about what this passage passage is saying in him. It it says in Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask and think according to the power that is at work within us, okay? There's all kinds of scripture that are based in this. And I wanna give you a picture and I wanna give you uh, some doctrine I think that's important in this. All of you today, if you know who Jesus is, if you have confessed him as Lord, according to Romans 10, chapter nine, or verse nine, if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you know who Christ is, you are 100% righteous and justified by nothing that you've done and everything that he's done, right? So that, that's, that's where our justification comes into the process. Now, I want you to hear and I want you to understand, and I'm gonna read this. Justification is this. You read commentary. Commentary is a great thing to read to understand scripture. And so justification, according to commentary, it refers to the declared righteousness. Sometimes it's called forensic righteousness, which has been accomplished once and for all, according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Justification takes place the moment a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is what justification is. It is right standing with God because of your confession to Jesus himself, right? And understanding what the cross and the resurrection means and that you could not boast about what has taken place in your life. And it is by faith that you have right standing with God. That's your justification. Everybody understand? Justification is a huge thing for the believer to understand. Now, I feel like the church and just people in general, a lot of times, they get their camping tent, they get their hot dogs, they get everything they need, and they camp out right here. And they say, hey, we got our golden ticket. And God says, hey, why don't you go camp with some of those people over there? They need some love and everything. No, I'm good right here. I'm good. We're justified, we know who Jesus is, we go to church every week, we do all the right things, we try to line it, we're bringing, we're doing all the check marks. It's really, it's really easy to become religious in your justification. It's really easy to do that. It's really easy to sit over here, camp out, and be having the best time of your life and completely forget about the crossover that needs to take place in your life from your justification. There's a whole nother process that takes place in each of us if we will allow those things to continue to take place in it. There's your justification, but the crossover is the sanctification in Christ. It's walking out. It's the process that God brings us through, right? 
Those are things that are important. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Justification, 100% right standing with Jesus. You know who he is. Sanctification is the process, the crossover into stepping into Ephesians verse nine, and not by works that no one can boast, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Justification is important, but more importantly, God redeems you for you to take footsteps and walk by faith and not by sight, to continue to work out your salvation, to continue to allow him to heal your heart, to continue to allow him where you are, have dealt maybe with the detriment and the penalty of sin, but you have now a journey of where we do not want to be friends with sin. We want to become more like him in his image. And that's a process that he takes us place, takes place in us. And it's a walkthrough and it's something that takes place and so that we can work in what? The good works of Christ Jesus. So what does that mean according to that scripture? That means if you know who Christ is, there have been things predestined, laid out for you in Christ Jesus that he has cut out just for you as the believer. Good works. I'm not saying in the area of salvation. Golly, we just keep wanting, we always wanna go back to works and salvation. Just remove that from salvation. Doesn't even need to be in the same sentence, okay? Biblically, doctrinally, theologically, doesn't even need to be in the same sentence. Now, when it comes to sanctification, you as a believer and, and, and walking towards God, that process is super important. There is work to be done, right? There is work to be walked through. And do and, and, you know what I'm saying? Do you see that? And when we look at sanctification, sanctification is, it refers to the lifelong process of growing in practical righteousness, a continuing process. Generally, when you hear the term sanctification, they are, that we are referring to present process that all believers are experiencing. This is sometimes referred to as progressive sanctification. God, there is an onworking salvation thing taking place in us, right? What we've been justified from, the enemy can't take it from us, right? But also there's this work that takes place with fear and trembling, as Philippians would say. And what does that mean? Does that mean that we're just supposed to camp out with our own family and buy our house with our picket fence and our two cars and let our kids do everything in the world and everything and do it and have her get out of jail free card? And that's the life that we're, that's the American dream that we're living. No! No, do not give in to the American dream. It's awesome to have the American dream. It's incredible to live in a country where we have the freedom to, that we have and the things that we can accomplish and do. But if the American dream is what you think is life and gonna be, bring fulfillment, I'm just gonna tell you, justification and sanctification are two of the best things that you can give your life to. That's the best thing. Not just the American dream, not just having the right house and the cars and all those type of things, because there's this constant struggle in us to where we feel like we have to fit in with the Joneses and we have to fit in and why do they have that and why do they have this and we don't have this. And you gotta remember, Christ redeemed you. He has a process for you. He has things laid out for you, good works in Christ Jesus. And all you're doing is camping out in jealousy and covetousness. You're not ever gonna move to those things. 
God wants to move in you and he doesn't want you camping out in what you've been given. And you gotta think about justification is what Christ is, has done in you. Sanctification is what Christ wants to do with you. Does that make sense? It's what, he wants to take you from here to here. He wants to do things with you. The Bible says that he wants to co-labor with us. And and that means that there are things that he has designated, that he has cut out for each of you to walk into, whether it be at a grocery store, whether it be the way that you lead your family, the way that you handle your business, all of these type of things that he does, whether it be somebody, a homeless person on the side of the street that you pray over and it's life-changing for them because you were obedient to the good works in Christ Jesus he has laid out beforehand for you. There are all things that he has laid out before you and that should stir you as a believer. That should stir you off of justification to know, I know who I am, Christ, but it should stir you to have an appetite for those good works in Christ Jesus because the gospel was meant to multiply. It was meant, God got to you to get to someone else. Sorry to disappoint you. He didn't get to you just for you. He got to you to get to someone else. And that's when we start to understand that, when we get over here and we start to cross over into the sanctification, you know what's more rewarding than my own salvation? Getting to watch somebody else come to Jesus. Woo, it's rewarding. It's the best thing in the world. But if we don't understand who we are in Christ Jesus, then we don't walk the full path of what he has here on earth for us. The thief on the cross, a lot of people say, well, that's, that's unfair. He got to go to heaven and he did absolutely nothing. You know what I think when I think about the thief on the cross? I think it's incredible that God's grace is that good. It's that good. But you know what? Also, I have the same thought in this process. You know how much he missed out on in his life that he got to walk out? I want to take full advantage of who I am in Christ Jesus. But more so than that, I want to walk out my sanctification. I want to see the gospel multiplied in other people. I want to be a blessing to other people, to my family, to my community, and things around me. I want to bless people with what I've been given that I did not deserve. We should have an appetite for sanctification, church. We should have an appetite to want to cross over. Let me give you a biblical picture, a prophetic picture for you. How many of you ever read about the Israelites and you think, man, those people are jacked up? Right? You have that thought? Yeah, I have that thought. I'm like, God, why'd you put up with these people, man? Like, they're just evil. They're just messed up. You do all these great things for them. You do these incredible things and then they just rebel. They build a calf, you know, a golden calf. And I mean, you read all of that stuff and they wander in the desert for 40 years. Some of you have been wondering in your justification for how many years? You've been wondering. You know, you know who Jesus is. You know who he is. And all your excuse is, I don't, I don't really know a whole lot about the Bible and I don't really want to go over to sanctification because that requires what? More of me, less of you, and more of him is what it requires. And that's hard. But God, some of the greatest rewards here on earth are to cross over into that sanctification process. The Israelites are such a picture of that. You read about them, you think they're jacked up, but we wander in things we were never intended to wander on. We do the same things. And God gives us that picture because the Israelites get set free from slavery. They cross over the Red Sea, right? They were slaves. Now their identity is in who? They are God's people. They are God's chosen people. They have an identity. That's our justification. They're on the other side of the river. The baptism has taken place. Here's their justification. And then they wander for 40 years. For 40 years, 
Some of you can't handle your phone being off for one day. I'm one of them. Like, think about 40 years, and it was supposed to be an 11-day journey. Your justification is so much sweeter if it leads into your sanctification in the way that God intended it for. And they, a whole generation never reached the shorelines of Jordan. A whole generation. There were close to 2 million that left Egypt. And then by the time they got to the Jordan, a whole new generation had come forth. A new leader had come forth. Moses didn't get to go into the Protestant land. Joshua is standing at the river. Why is that important for us to see? Your justification is important. But man, where the power in the war begins is when you walk out your sanctification. Woo! When you come to the line of Jordan, and that river's rushing, and you know on the other side, there's giants, there's huge things, but there's milk and honey, because God said there was. That's all you got, though. We're supposed to go march around seven days, scream at some walls, and they're supposed to fall. I'm good. You ready? Boy, when you come to the Jordan, you got to believe God at his word and his word only. You're going to cross over. You're going to cross over. When you get to the line of the Jordan right there, like those Israelites, that new generation did, you had to believe God at his word. You know what we need more than anything at this point in our lives as the church, for the church to believe God at his word. The church needs a sanctification process and we need a buying into and realizing that we don't need to continue to just spend time pulling people across the Jordan and trying to convince them. What would it look like for the church to really walk out the sanctification process of what God has? Believing God at his word. They didn't do nothing when they went to Jericho. God did it all. You know why? Because his word stands above all things. And when we buy into, I'm gonna stand on God's word and I don't care what happens to me. Woo, that's the stoutest believer there is. That's as good as it gets right there. When we buy into God's word, into that process, and when we cross over into the Jordan, the promise of provision, the promise of victory, he gives us all of these promises all throughout scripture. Go to love your enemy. I don't like those promises, Pastor Cade. God didn't say whether you'd like them or not but are you gonna believe them? Are you gonna cross over into, I wanna be a Christian, but I also wanna be carved and molded and clayed into the image of Christ and be more like his likeness. And that's a process that takes time, church, in that. You know, there's, there's some things about sanctification that I think are important for us to see in justification. If you have to sum it up into three quick things, I'll say this, justification is this. It's a one-time event that occurs, that occurs in the past. It says right there in Ephesians, for it is by grace that you have been saved, right? It's a one-time thing. When you confess that Jesus is Lord, you, it's a thing that occurs in the past. You were justified. That is your salvation. That is your story. That is the love story connecting with your heart through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sanctification is this. It's a daily event, moment by moment, that occurs in the present. It's a, it's a constant process. It's the continuing work of God's salvation through and in you. Amen, church? And then the last one is the glorification. It's a one-time event, our blessed and living hope to be fulfilled in the future. 
So you were justified, you confessed that Jesus is Lord, you were sanctified, there's a continuing work of the Spirit. Why do we do all those things? Why do we fight the good fight? Why do we continue to do the things that we're doing? Why do we fight for other people that don't deserve it? Why do we continue to do all of those things, Pastor Kay? It's because you've been justified by his grace and his grace alone. You've been sanctified in Christ Jesus. And therefore, one day there will be a glorification process when you see him face to face and you will be held accountable for all the things that you will be held accountable for. And there will be a moment between you and Jesus. But you know what separates everybody else in that moment of what you did with Jesus, what you did with his name? Did you trust him? Because in all of that accountability that's gonna happen, if you trusted in the blood of Jesus, you know what he's gonna say? Well done, good and faithful servant. And you're gonna open his arms and it's gonna be the best thing that you've ever experienced in your life. That's the reason we fight for justification. That's the reason we continue to spread the gospel. That's the reason that sanctification should be important to you as a believer because sanctification is what continues to spread the gospel so that the glorification process of many can happen in the end of days and the end of times. Amen, church? That's what we've got to see happen in all of us. Now, as I get to the end of this, I think it's important for each of you to see something and for us to know, when you read that passage of scripture, if I could give you any, what's the greatest truth that you've ever discovered in scripture? Some of you are thinking right now, I have no clue. What's the greatest truth? Somebody ever ask you this, what's the greatest truth that you've ever discovered in scripture? Here's the way that I would answer this. You look in verse eight, because of his great love for us. The greatest truth that we've ever discovered in scripture is this for me, that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's the greatest truth. If you know that Jesus loves you, woo, that's the best thing that you can walk with as a believer and Jesus can start with that, right? He's gonna start with that. Jesus loves you. He has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a destiny for each of you in this room. No matter what you've done, no matter how awful it is, no matter how terrible it is, Jesus loves you, church. He loves you. And everything that is founded upon that one truth, he can deal with the rest. Because he fixes our messes, he continues to do things that we don't deserve because that's the power of his grace which we have been justified by, okay? What does this have to do with discipleship, Pastor Cade? I want you to understand, if we don't know who we are in Christ, we don't know what we're supposed to be crossing over through Christ and walking with Christ in, it's hard for us to understand what discipleship is in the first place. There's three things that I'm gonna give you, and I have to share a story today in this area. You know what I love to share when God gives me a story about getting to lead somebody to Jesus or you know, it's really good things. And you know what he called me to share today? Something I've never shared and I don't want to share. You know why? Because I look like a bad guy in it. I don't want to share it. I didn't want to in the first service and I don't want to in the second. But, I, but I'm called to share it because it's important. It's a, it's a part of my sanctification. It's a part of the process for me in that. Because God ain't done with me. He continues to move and do things. But man, wounds from a friend can be trusted, and Jesus is my friend. He's my friend. So when he wounds me, or when he allows a wound to come in, I got to make sure I pay attention to it. 
and make sure that I know that wound was there for a reason. It was there for a reason. There's three areas of discipleship for each of you. When you know who you are in Christ and you're walking out and you've crossed over, these are three important things in the area of discipleship. First would be this, your personal discipleship. Who Christ is to you. Who Christ is to you. Your second would be this, family discipleship. Where is Christ in your family? And third would be this, community discipleship. How Christ is used through and around you. If I had to define discipleship, in, in categories, those are the three that I would put it in. And I say that who Christ is to you. That means there should be a laying down and a coming up in Christ. There should be an intimacy happening between you and Jesus on a daily basis. If you are operating as a believer and you are giving God once a week or you're giving him this or this, were you saying that I have to earn my time with God? No, you get to be with him and it's given. There's nothing better than getting to sit with Jesus. He's gonna love you. You're 100% righteous. If you know who Jesus is, he's gonna love you. He justified you. But he has all this stuff that's worked out for you. There's predestined things. There are good works. And what you do with his name and what you do with his time and what you do with his word is what propels us through those things. And if we're over here just sitting and we're not doing anything with God's word and we're not moving forward, then what takes place? We're nothing more than the thief on the cross. God wants to propel you and be compelled by his love to other people. God wants to use the gospel to go forth because if, it doesn't, if you don't allow it to happen in you, he's gonna do it in someone else and someone else is gonna do it. Have you noticed that we continue to jack things up since Genesis? And you know what God did? He went to the next and he continued to propel the gospel where it needed to be propelled. It's a privilege to get to carry the Holy Spirit inside of your chest. But he also is so good in his grace that you could sit there with it and do nothing with it and be a great person, be a good person and not really ever multiply it and God still loves you the same. He still loves you the same. That process for each of us, personal discipleship, growing, getting into scripture, praying, communicating with God and if you're confused about that, reach out. Reach out to someone. Repent, turn, right? Family discipleship. When's the last time Jesus was sitting at your table? When's the last time you checked on your kids? Or is it Sonic? Or is it this and this? Because you're running them all over town and you can't give up things. And you don't ever sit as a family. And then when you get home, all you do is you get on your cell phones and you go to your separate bedrooms and there's nothing centered on Christ. Nothing. And then when everything falls apart and you're wondering why those things take place, it's because he was not in the centerpiece. It takes sacrifice to get him on the centerpiece. It's okay to tell your kid, hey, we're not gonna play all 15 sports. I know that's sensitive. I played sports, I love them. It's okay though. It's okay to say, focus on two or three or focus on one or two. It's okay to not just busy your life up so that you don't have to center it on what you need to be centered on. It's okay to do that. And you know what? I'm gonna tell you this. God still loves you even if you're doing that right now. We still love you. The church still loves you. I, 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 I'm, there's a process taking place in, in me. All of us, nobody's here to beat you up for the things that you're doing, but you do have to recognize and you do have to look at the evidence of what's taking place in your life, don't you? We have to look at those things. 
And what's taking place? Is he at the center of your dinner table? Are you praying with your kids? Are you sharing scripture with your kids? Is there a regurgitation of what's personally happening in your discipleship that affects your family and therefore your community? And a lot of times we get these things sideways. I was really good at community. I got really good at community and I could do everything for everybody else as a pastor and I could do all those things. I could event plan, I could do all these things. Six years before this, I was doing all those things and I was really not really great at family and personal discipleship. And I'm still in the process of working on those things in this journey. And the story that I'm gonna share with you is one of the hardest things for me to share because it's a failure in my life. But because I have been justified in Christ, because of my position and my right standing, I can come to Jesus and I can say, I'm sorry, Jesus. Will you forgive me for operating like that? And you know what he does? He doesn't slap me across the face. He doesn't say, I told you so. He picks you up. He loves on you. He goes with you in it right? That's who he is. We think that God's mean. He's not mean. He's a lover. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. I was at camp about six years ago. And as I was at camp, I'm a type one diabetic. In the last six years, I'd just been doing what I wanted to do. I wasn't watching anything just rolling. I'd watch it to some degree. And my wife was watching me be successful in ministry and watching my whole health and everything else fall apart. Watching all of it. And I'm gonna tell you this, men. Your wife may be screaming at you, yelling at you, but when she gets quiet and she starts praying for you, ooh, man. I don't like the hounds of heaven after me. I don't like that, man. And a woman can call them in a way that loves you and cares for you that nobody else can. And she started praying for a long time for me. And I remember coming to camp and I was worried about small group time and all those things because we didn't have a youth pastor at the time. That seems to be a pandemic nowadays. Um, and so we... I was up at the top, not listening to the sermon. My friend delivered an incredible word that night. My wife was looking for me and I was up in the top on my computer, didn't hear any of it. And she thought I was gonna repent. There was gonna be something happen. And so afterwards, I hate sharing this. She came to me after small group time. Credible, God was using small group time, all those things. I was really great at community discipleship. And she said these words to me, I'm preparing to move on without you. Because you're gonna, you ain't gonna last long this way. Your health, everything. I'm preparing to move on without you. And then I had the audacity to look at her and tell her this, and this is how prideful, and you women will laugh at this even though it's a serious moment, I told her, well, I can't make any promises. You ever heard that, women? I had the audacity to tell her that in the moment because I wasn't broken about where I was. And then she told me a dream that she had had that I was, she had this dream that I was in this cafeteria 
And I was doing all this other stuff and helping feed and do all these other things for people. And she told me in the middle of that, she had a word for me and I didn't have time to listen to her. So she walks out of the cafeteria and it's a beach scene. And on the beach, there was a table, a folding table with my Bible that she had bought for me that she wants my children to get. And as she walked out on the beach, the tide continued to pull it further and further to the point to where the foundation that I had created was not in the proper way of what God wanted for me in discipleship. And my Bible started to sink to the bottom of the ocean. The legacy of what I thought I was leaving was the wrong legacy. Man, you listening to me? If you're not taking care of your family, if your legacy is hard work and integrity and all those things, those are great things. But if the top of your legacy is not your faith and not what God's doing in you, and that's the one thing that you wanna pass more to your kids than anything else, something's off. Same thing for ladies and, and, and moms and people in here. It was sinking to the bottom and I was willing to do nothing about it. And my wife was in the ocean trying to get it off of the bottom. It is not women's responsibility to leave the legacy men of the household. It is ours. We are the fathers. We are the husbands. The direction of your home, you will be held accountable for. The things that we do. And here's, what, here's good news. If you're thinking, man, this pastor's mean. No, I believe you're men. And I believe that Jesus loves you. Just like he loved me at my worst and terrible stuff that I was doing. And I was putting all of my legacy in the wrong thing. If your personal discipleship is off, man, you exhaust yourself in family and community in improper ways. Women, the same thing for you. If your personal discipleship is off and parenting is all over the place and you end up drinking 70,000 cups of coffee to endure the day and you have to have episodes of cussing, you know, because of parenting and things that you're going through, I wanna tell you something, I wanna be encouragement. Your personal discipleship is off. Your time with Jesus is off. And if you will center yourself, if you will get there with him and allow him to love on you, he is such a gentleman. And he'll take you where you're at and he'll teach you how to be a good mom. He'll teach you how to be a good wife. He'll teach you how to be a good husband. He'll teach you how to be a good father. All he needs is your yes. All he needs is for you to turn and say, Yes. I'm tired of my dinner table looking like this. We don't ever sit at it. I want it to be different. God, I've messed it up. Will you, will you change it? And that's my question to you today as I've shared that story with you. I am on a sanctification process with me, claiming back the areas of family and personal discipleship in my own life. As the band comes today, I think for a struggle in the way that I felt like God wanted to, to end and how I would say this. But God's, God's entrusting the church at Bushland and other churches and churches all over the world with the opportunity to be who we're called to be in Christ Jesus. But our justification 
is not what he just died for. He died so that we could be sanctified in Christ Jesus and we could walk in the good works of Jesus. There should be a church that has an appetite to walk and to cross over. Amen, church? There should be an appetite for you to see things change and for things to be different in our lives. And if that doesn't happen personally in you first, you're gonna be exhausted a lot in lots of other areas of your life. Jesus gives you fuel when you spend time with him that you can't get anywhere else. You can't get anywhere else. When things are frustrating, when things are not working out and they're terrible, my first question to you is, when's the last time you sat with him? When's the last time you shut up and you just listened? Just let him love on you. Sometimes it ain't about words. Sometimes it's about just feeling his kindness again. Because nobody else has been that. And the enemy's had you in a corner and it's hard to get out. The altar is open today for wherever you're at. Maybe you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus. I don't know who this God that you're talking about is. There will be ministry teams here to help serve you. And you can ask for Jesus to come and live on the inside of you. That's what he does. That's what he's in the business of doing. Men, if you're in this room today and you ain't leading your family well, he just needs your yes. He needs your turn. And he needs for you to say, okay, God, I'll do it your way. That's all he's looking for. I don't care if it's in that chair. I don't care if it's in the altar. But whatever he tells you to do, you better do. Because I'm telling you, a time is coming where sheep and goats are gonna be separated. And a time is coming for the church to rise up. And I sure do wanna rise up in the good works of the Lord Jesus. That's what I wanna rise up. I don't wanna rise up in our programming or we've got this or we've got this. If all this was stripped away and we just had each other, it would be enough, church. Woo, it'd be enough, wouldn't it? Just us, relationships. That's the reason we do what we do. That's what the church is about and that's what Christ is about. Let him have all of you because there are things coming that we need to stand in and we need to know who we are in Christ, who we are with Christ and where we're going in Christ, amen? Let me pray with you. Jesus, we thank you for today and whatever hearts you need to stir, God, we just ask that you would stir them. Whatever men that feel dead as a doornail, feel like this is just another sermon from some other guy. I pray, God, you would awaken the dead heart. Awaken the man that nobody expects. Awaken the woman that nobody expects. Awaken those ones that change a whole community because they decided to say yes. Awaken those believers in the room that are sitting apathetic that are not moving towards what you have for them, God, and they have not walked out the sanctification process of growing and believing you at your word, God. God, we love you, we thank you. And if anybody in here does not know your son, Jesus, I pray that they would come forward. Thank you for all that you do, all that you continue to do, and all that we're going to get to experience in heaven one day because of Christ Jesus. There is nothing like him. That's the reason we're doing what we're doing. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.